late, but I chose to wait one day because today is my birthday, and I thought it'd be more special if I talked about what I want to discuss on my birthday. Today, I want to talk about interviewing, and I've spent a lot of time over the last year trying to refine this process. When I started working at AirMap, I had to rebuild the engineering team. There were maybe five people left in engineering, and three of them wanted to quit, with a system that I didn't understand, the projects had stalled, and no people to fix it. These problems came from the company reaching a stage where it needs to scale. And when that happens, unfortunately, sometimes the culture needs to shift and people leave. So the product had issues, the culture was terrible, and it was mine, right? I had to fix this. I signed up to take on this challenge. And I had many priorities, but the biggest was to hire a team. Without people, we were going to die. I had just come up fresh from interviewing, and I was exhausted by all the ridiculous hoops that I was put through while I was interviewing. I was determined to be innovative and not do to others what had been done to me. I wanted to learn from all those mistakes, from all the things that I saw people do, and I wanted to build a high-performance team quickly. My last two years at Spark Networks were all about replacing this legacy code base that we had. It was 15, 20 years of code, and unfortunately, we ended up reducing the engineering count from over 50 to about 15. And of those 15, only two people were supporting the legacy code base, and I was one of them. The rest of the team was completely focused on the rewrite. During that whole process, I learned a new programming framework called React Native. We experimented with it, we ended up abandoning it, and chose to go with native iOS and native Android applications. And then we decided to take what we had learned about React and use it on the website. I set up the project, I hired a team lead, and then he ran it. So throughout the whole process, I contributed to the project in code by being a leader. I spent a lot of time with our CEO, Danny Rosenthal, and I learned so much from him about execution and planning. And here I was interviewing for essentially the same job, and it was so hard. So I've been thinking about why it was so difficult, and I've come to the conclusion that the problem was with the people doing the interviewing, not with me. I met a lot of great people, I got some job offers, but they were really low. Look, I'm not entitled, I don't think I should make a ridiculous amount of money, but I am also aware of the value that I bring to a team. And I had issues with the way the number, the salary that was being offered to me was calculated. I received a job offer that started with, Gilbert, we loved you. The team really liked you. And I don't want to offend you with this number, but this is what we can offer based on your test results. That's right. 
I was given some programming tests to do. The tool didn't have any language that I knew, so I ended up using Java and hacking my way through that, and I successfully completed the exercise. But that wasn't something I knew or I was comfortable doing. And then when I got to the on-site interview portion, I was once again asked to sit down, code an application in Java, and I had two people sitting next to me. I had one girl here, one girl on the other side, and they were just staring, looking at me while I code this. And again, not super familiar with Java. Obviously, I can pick it up if needed, but I did okay. Again, I hacked my way through it. I mean, is it really surprising to anybody that I didn't do my best in that situation under those conditions? Great company, great people, but that interview process was flawed. They measured my worth based on a situation that is just not realistic. I've never worked like that with people staring over my shoulder with being asked to solve something and code it right on the spot without being able to access any sort of resource. And then I had a whole slew of interviews with what I like to call computer science trivia, on the spot coding, and again, not being able to use Stack Overflow or Google. I never even seen anyone who is presented with a difficult problem and they're able to on the spot come up with a solution 100% of the time. In fact, most people say, let me look into that and I'll get back to you. I need some time on the sprint so I can research this. That's the appropriate answer. And I don't understand why I was expected to know all of this stuff on the spot, especially after explaining to the interviewers that I had been managing resources, I had been leading a team, I have been coding, but it wasn't the main thing that I was thinking about day in and day out. I can't think of any other profession out there that treats their peers with such hostility. In most professions, having the experience, the education, and a good set of references are enough to get the job. I was rejected over and over because engineers think that it is their job to identify and weed out people who are incompetent. Don't get me wrong, I don't want to be hired for a job where I would be considered incompetent. Some might say, Gilbert, testing your ability to do this algorithm is crucial to your work in here. And I really have to question that because, let me, let's break it down. You think that something that is taught in a university, not used day to day, is a measure of an engineer's capacity? I mean, do you not realize that these sorts of questions come from university coursework and immediately leaves out many self-taught programmers like myself. And more importantly, this kind of information tends to decay over time if you're not using it every day. I mean, think about this. If you're hiring an engineer, a senior engineer with a lot of experience, you rule them out because they're not fresh out of college and they don't remember this computer science trivia question. In real life, they'd be able to look that up and then they'd be able to solve your problem. So we focus on college coursework and then we ask the candidate to optimize it. Look, we're an industry where we like to say that premature optimization is the root of all evil. Yet it is a big part of what we test for when we're interviewing. 
most things work well enough and in practice you shouldn't be optimizing until you have an unacceptable performance problem we've all said this yet when we're doing an interview we ask these crazy algorithmic optimization questions and expect people who are generally not doing this day to day to know the answer and then we roll them out as incompetent that's insane now there are many things that i am not good at and my team is comprised of people with various strengths and weaknesses because well they're people so the idea that sets us apart at airmap is that i'd like to think like a coach i spend time trying to understand these differences so that then i can identify the gaps and then i work urgently to fill the gaps what i'm trying to say is that engineers don't work alone so we interview them alone and expect them to know everything when in reality when i'm presented with a problem that i'm not familiar with you know what i do i go and i ask colleagues we come to a solution and voila magic that is how engineers work look i've been mostly successful at addressing these problems in my hiring process i've got more work to do the first thing i did is i broke up the interview process into three parts a screening call a tech screening call and an in-person interview. This is where I really wanted to try and be innovative and be different from all those other people that had interviewed me. The screening call follows a very particular format where I ask the candidate what they know about us and then I fill in the gaps. I tell them about our culture, our vision, our purpose, and I provide examples of why some people have not worked out. I then ask them to please tell me about yourself and tell me whatever it is that you think is relevant and you want me to know about you. And then I always end the interview by asking them how much money they'd like to make. If I weren't allowed to negotiate salary, I'd find another question because the point isn't to talk about salary. The point is to find something that people generally find uncomfortable. And then I want to see how they have that conversation. In fact, if anyone ever tells me I don't feel comfortable talking about this, please talk with the recruiter, I immediately disqualify them and I tell them on the call that it's not going to be a good fit. The ability to discuss hard problems or hard things is a huge component of why Airmap has such a high performance team. So if they're uncomfortable having this conversation, which we need to have, we're probably going to have communication problems when they come to work with me and something's broken, we're under a high stress situation, and we've got to talk quickly and efficiently. Communication is a huge, huge part of performance. So then we move on to the tech screening call. And for these, I eliminated whiteboard exercises completely. And I replaced them with simple questions like, if you had to build an e-commerce platform like Amazon, how would you go about doing that? And then I, I sit back and I wait and I hear what the candidate has to say. I found that the candidate will always gravitate towards what they know best. It also allows me to see if they're a big picture person or they like to dive deep and focus on the details. It also shows me the breadth of experience that they have because when they have wide experience but not deep in any topic, it's very obvious. It also gives me the ability to see how well they deal with vague requirements, how they navigate asking questions and pushing back. A perfectly valid answer at any point of the interview is, 
Look, Gilbert, there are a lot of considerations. We have one hour to talk about this. Generally, here's what I think the system would look like. Let's focus on this one section and talk about that. And then, you know, you can ask me any questions about any other part of the system, but it's unreasonable to have me design for you an entire system like Amazon in an hour. That's a reasonable answer. And I've yet to have anybody say that to me. I don't know, maybe somebody will. They do their homework and they listen to me talk about this. Then the interview ends with one of our engineers providing very direct feedback, giving them alternatives about how they would build the system. And this part of the interview process is very key. It allows me to see how they deal with direct feedback. And it's meant to be slightly confrontational because the directness that we show in that interview process is how we communicate with each other. It's how we're able to deal with problems so quickly. We don't walk around thinking we're going to step on eggshells. We deal with the problem. We right away try to identify what happened, who did what. We address it and we move on. Very simple. And if people are uncomfortable with being direct and communicating in this fashion, they're not going to be a good fit for us. So this is a big critical component. Once the candidate makes it to the in-person interview, we want to hire them. We're meeting face-to-face -to, -face to go through the same exercise of building a system design. And this face is meant to be a validation. It also allows us the opportunity to see who the person is. It's much more important than what they are. I care much more about who that person is, how much they want to learn, what principles they have. And this is where we spend a lot of time talking about the principles that make the AirMap culture what it is. We see if these principles align. I've got so many examples of people that I've hired who generally wouldn't be considered qualified, but because of who they are, they intrinsically seek to learn, they don't tolerate problems, and they have a passion for setting up the team to win. They recognize that they are part of a bigger whole and together we're able to achieve amazing things. The results have been fantastic. I always like to say that AirMap has a team that is small relative to the problem that we're trying to solve. Yet we go out there and we outperform the competition. I know because in the unmanned traffic management industry, we collaborate in standards group and do experiments together even though we're competitors, because we have a vested interest in making sure that this industry moves forward and it happens. And the only way that it'll happen is if it's safe. And in order for it to be safe, we all have to know what we are all doing. So this gives us direct exposure to other teams and their performance. I can tell you that some big name companies out there were not able to carry their weight and AirMap had to do it for them. We did our work, we did their work, and they had teams that were three times the size of ours. We have projects happening in parallel all over the world. We deliver, we innovate, we outperform the competition with a smile, and the satisfaction that comes from pushing the boundaries of what's possible. All because we didn't let ourselves get restrained by the fallacies in this software engineering world and thinking 
that it's somehow our job to identify all the incompetent people in the world and not take into consideration that these interview processes don't reflect real life and we need to change. As engineers, we need to get to the point where we refuse to do these whiteboard exercises. That is the only way we're gonna see some real change. Personally, I'm done with whiteboard exercises. And if somebody tries to make me do them, I will question them. I will have a thoughtful conversation with them. But at the end of the day, I'm not going to take that job. Okay.